Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly. On this episode, I'm joined by Doug Krynick, the owner of Krynick Manufacturing Company. Fly tires will instantly know him as the man behind Krynick Flash of Creelix fame. Join us as Doug shares the history of the Krynick family business and how Harry Steves and Chuck Kraft helped Doug and his family get into the fly tying materials game. But before we move on to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend and subscribe and leave us a review in the podcatcher of your choice. And a shout out to this episode's sponsor. This episode's brought to you by our friends at the Bristol Bay Defense Fund. With the decision on Pebble Mine's most critical federal permit application due later this year, 2020 is an important turning point in this long-running saga. To help this diverse coalition continue its efforts to protect one of the world's largest wild salmon runs and all of its economic, cultural, and ecological benefits, please visit www.bristolbaydefensefund.com and donate today. Now, on to our interview. Well, Doug, welcome to the Articulate Fly. Well, thanks, Marvin. This is great. I really enjoy you having me on here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And, you know, uh, people may or may not realize that I certainly know that people in the Mid-Atlantic do that tie uh, uh, Crelex flies. They understand uh, that one of your great contributions uh, to our sport is, is Krennic Flash. Um, but before we talk about Krennic Flash and some of the other stuff that you manufacture, I thought it'd be great if you could share with our listeners a little bit of the history of Krennic manufacturing. Well, it's it's really kind of interesting. Uh, my uh my dad um, was a, a, basically an inventor. He he taught uh, classes um, in Brooklyn on uh, plastics, and he was really into the plastics industry and textiles. And my mom was uh, taught um, couturier design at different universities. And uh, my dad was working for a chemical firm in uh, West Virginia, and uh, they fired everybody who was 55 and over. <laughs> so um, he was 56 and a half, and so he... Yeah, he had a hard time finding a job, and um, he got uh, angry with my mom and said, you're doing all your needle points all over the car. Can't you do something about it? Well, that's how they got into the industry. So we started out in the needlework industry. And um, so uh, after about eight years, they finally uh, started bringing in different sorts of threads. They brought in silk, and then a year later, they uh, brought in uh, metallics. And my dad used to work for the Department of Navy, and when he was working for the Navy, he worked on materials back in the early 50s that used a metallic-type material that um, the um, Admiralty wanted to see what that would look like to make the regalia that they would wear. But they didn't like it because it didn't oxidize in seawater. So he stuck that in his brain, and, and um, 20, 20, almost 30 years later, he was walking around in a museum in New York and saw something that struck him, and he said, wow, I could take, I could take this plastic-type material and and emulate real metal threads, and uh, come up with um, come up with something. So he started making braids, and um, uh, that's when it started growing. And so uh, we were making braids, and um, back in the early nineteen around nineteen ninety, um, uh, there was this uh, um, uh, professor down in at Virginia Tech, Harry Steves, and um, Harry, I was walking around his house, and his wife was a needle pointer, and she dropped a bit of uh, braid on the floor. He picked it up and made a braided body and, and came to her and said, uh, hey, uh, where'd you get this stuff? And she said, go find your own stash. So he called us, and um, that's how we got into the fishing area. 
because he was telling us all the different ways that our braids could be used. And then um, uh, we then found that we could uh, supply flash also. And so that's, and I, I actually came up with the idea of flashing a tube so you could control it. And so um, uh, today we have, um, well, we have all sorts, we have braids in uh, 260 colors. Because in the beginning, my parents said, well, five colors is enough and three different sizes is enough. Well, it's just amazing where we're at today. And uh, then we also make piping and we make, um, uh, well, we make flash in different sizes. We sell bulk flash. We even, we even sell scissors. I, I um, took an idea that I saw at a fishing show one time. A fellow was cutting deer hair, and deer hair is hollow, and it's slippery, and so uh, metallics is slippery. And so I decided, well, let's uh, serrate the edges of the scissors that we're getting. And so we started doing that. And so that, uh, using a serrated blade to cut metallics, is better because it doesn't dull as fast. So um, that was a, a plus, uh, something from the fishing industry that I brought into the needlework industry. So, and then we, we, have, uh, we have our bobbins. Our bobbins is a are a little bit larger. So uh, we now have a bobbin, uh, you know, a, um, a bobbin holder for the spool. And so we, we cover a lot of, we have silk dubbing and we have different silk products for um, uh, doing uh, bodies and also um, cording so that you could, uh, in metallic, so you can do rod building. So we, we cover mm -hmm. different areas. And um, but it's been an exciting trip, uh, you know, um, getting, you know, learning all this because uh, we just, it's just a matter of having a very open mind and learning as much as possible. And so, you know, it's interesting, uh, you know, you manufacture a lot of different things. Um, you know, are you now the, the sole owner? I assume you've succeeded uh, your parents' interest in the business? Yeah, I um, actually, uh, my, uh, actually, at one point, there were um, many family members in the business. And um, uh, my brother and I were actually in business for 20 years. And then um, uh, we decided, I decided to buy him out. And so I'm, I'm, I'm it today. I'm, uh, I'm the only one uh, left in the family here. And, and I have, um, you know, we have, we, we used to have two offices, one here and one in Baltimore, and we just have the uh, factory now and, uh, and here and everything comes out of this office here. Got it. And so how long have you been running Krennic Manufacturing? Uh, Krennic has been around for, uh, 40, let's see, 40 47 years. And I've been running it since, uh, uh, well, by myself, I've been running it for about the last 12 years. And, uh, but before that, my brother and I bought my parents out in 19, it was 1988. So we've been running it for quite a long time. And so, and this doesn't have to be a, a fly fishing product, uh, Doug, what's the most interesting thing you think you make at the factory in West Virginia? Uh, well, this week it's elastic. <laughs> we started making elastic for um, uh, people looking for masks, and we could convert some of our machinery over to making elastic uh, banding for masks. And so that's been pretty interesting. It's it's opened our opened our minds up to different types of things that we can machinery. So that's been kind of exciting. Other exciting things uh, we supplied um, threads uh, that were used uh, by the costumers in Game of Thrones. That was pretty exciting you know and I, I remember watching uh uh the last season and trying to find out where they used my threads in the last 
two seconds, the queen of the North was putting on this robe and the robe was embellished with our product. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty neat. I think I remember when I was doing research for this interview, um, that uh, if I remember correctly, your daughter is a TV producer and you kind of told her to always remember to plug the family business. Exactly. I always tell her, remember dad. (laughs) Yeah. She's, uh, she, uh, just had her first comedy come out in, um, in LA on Apple TV this past year. And, uh, she works with a really good crew of people and, um, uh, She's uh, very smart, and I just keep telling her, "Remember, Dad, if you're doing a if you're doing a um, uh, period piece." <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and I have to ask you, Doug, are you an angler? No, actually, I'm not an angler. Um, I have been fishing a couple of times uh, to learn uh, some of the uh, the language. So after a while, um, I can I can talk about uh, fishing, and and uh, I understand it. And um, uh, just and just know that um, different things different things can be used in different ways for different industries, and and that's that's what's really important because we we service I mean we even service um, uh, clothing manufacturers and who use the same braid but they use it in a totally different way, and so um, it's really interesting. Just I enjoy learning, and so it's uh, fun to just learn and just talk to people to to learn learn as much as possible so that I can share information so they can learn from me. Yeah, that's really interesting. Would you say then that most of the products um, that we see from, from Krennic Manufacturing in the fly fishing world are, are repurposed uh, so that you've found a new use for them in kind of our world? Or do you also de- design some products that are specific to fly fishing? Most product we have, except for maybe a few of them, are repurposed. Um, like the silk dubbing is, that's not really used in, um, you know, I could, I could see where it could be used, but it's, uh, usually not used and, but that could be used. The silk dubbing could be turned around and used for someone who is, uh, spinning their own yarn. Um, so, uh, and they're applying their yarn with, um, say a wool and a silk together so they could use that there. Um, so yeah, anything that we have be repurposed to work in any other area. So that makes it really interesting for us because, uh, we, you know, when we get phone calls from people, I remember one guy, uh, called me up and wanted to use a, one of our glow in the dark materials, uh, is a trim around the seating in his, um, in his car. And so that, uh, at night the lights went off, the the seats would glow. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, take takes all kinds, I guess. Um, it does. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the interview, um, I think most fly tires that know about you know about your product, Krennic Flash, and that's because of Chuck Craft's Crelix. Um, can you share the story about how you met Chuck? Yeah, well, I had never met Chuck. I, Chuck was uh, just everybody in my company had met Chuck. And I just hadn't been to a show where I could meet him. And then um, just this past year, just before he passed away, I got to meet him. And he was a really interesting character. And I really enjoyed talking to him. And um, I was sad to hear that he passed. But uh, he was he was just um, very down-to-earth, uh, homey guy, and um, just, just a lot of fun. And he, he, I thanked him for helping my company. You know, because he just, he really did a, a, a good thing for us. And he thanked me. 
Yeah, it's kind of funny because I can can remember talking to him uh, at one of the shows this season, too. And I can remember him telling me, um, you know, how important the tube that you mentioned earlier was to keep the uh, chronic flash fibers from going crazy. Well, in fact, we just came out with a new size, um, which is a midsize, uh, which has a thousand ends in it. It's nine inches long because people who were doing a lot of tying wanted more on there. So um, I, I felt the tube was important, so I got a larger tube for this. It's about a, it's about, it's about a, well, around 250 meters of material, where our large hanks are a thousand. This is like a quarter of that. Yeah, no, that's helpful because you know I, I, I've gotten your sampler packs in the past. I mean, you, you can tie. You don't have to. You don't can't tie a lot of flies with those, but but you uh, but you then you go to the website and say, can I get more? And you're like, gosh, I don't know if I need that much. Um, and so that's great that there's an intermediate size for folks. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you didn't have a chance to actually meet Chuck until uh, this past January, right? Um, you know, how did he find you and um, kind of let people know that there was this great use for your flash product? Well, um, we had had another fellow working for us at one time and he would go to a lot of the um the the local shows and he met chuck at one of those local shows and um would and he gave chuck uh, a lot of product and then um uh, my marketing person dina um had also met him and had given him product too and um so and when my brother was in the business he had met him so everybody had met him (laughs) except for me (laughs) so um but uh, you know, we had been working for with him for a number of years. Did he ever give you advice or suggestions on kind of how to tweak uh, Krennic Flash to make it uh, more fly tire friendly? No, he just gave me ideas on other products I should have that I should do. So you know, you mentioned Harry Steves earlier in the interview, and and Chuck. Are there other fly tires um, that helped with the adoption of Krennic products? Yeah, there were there were a number of them. One that comes to mind uh, was Ed Koch, and um, Ed and Harry wrote a book together um, on on terrestrials. Yeah, funny you say that. I've got it in my bookcase right here behind me. Yeah, and then Harry also wrote another book for us that we redid in color, and it has like sixty, I think sixty four patterns in it, and um, so uh, and and I had not seen Harry for about 15 years. And at this last show I went to in Virginia, there was Harry and uh, it was like old home week. It was really great. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's funny you say that. Cause I, um, I saw him too. And I had been going to shows in kind of the mid Atlantic and the Southeast for a long time. And I had noticed that he hadn't been out tying for quite a while. So it was definitely good to see him. Yeah. So as we kind of take a deeper dive into, to Krennic flash, can you tell us Doug a little bit about, how it's made, and uh, how many varieties there are? Well, there are, we make it in um, three basic varieties. Uh, wet widths. We have, um, we have 169th uh, slit, and we have uh, 132nd slit, and we have 116th slit. Um, you know, like your musky fishermen go for the wider weights, and your, your trout fishermen go for the finer weights. Um, and then we make it in, um, we have uh, we have different different ways. We have um, uh, an unsupported and a supported thread. Uh, the the unsupported is just the polyester without any other thread involved with it. Um, where the supported 
uh, has either well has either a has a, a normally a nylon uh, thread that twists around um, the thread, and um, the Crelix fly uses the supported thread. But we have all sorts of um, uh, customers who like to, to blend them together uh, or just use the um, uh, just use like the unsupported threads. And in the unsupported threads. Um, we have, uh, well, in supported and unsupported, we have uh, solid colors. We have um, glow-in-the-dark colors. Uh, we have um, what are called vintage colors, which are kind of um, like a, a, a muted, uh, brushed um, metallic. Um, then we have, we have a group of natural colors that are, that are they're different. It's, um, it's 100% polyester, and it's with a polyester-supporting thread. And um, then um, we have, uh, there are some threads that we have that are ultraviolet threads. And so there's, there's quite a variety of, um, I think we have up to uh, something like 120 colors. Um, we also have a holographic. And then I created this one, it was called, um, I call it a hollow sheen, which is actually like a um, solid holographic thread. And you know how holographics is kind of choppy looking. This is just solid three-dimensional thread, and it's it's kind of cool looking. We have that in five colors. So this is a big variety. Yeah, and how is it actually made in terms of um, I guess the supported and the unsupported version? Just kind of uh, you know for uh, for us really geeky fly tires out there that want to know. So um, a supported thread after it's after it's slit, it's then. Um, it's then twisted with a um, in the, with the um, with the solid colors. It's twisted with a uh, a, um, a like two nylon threads. And um, in the in the clothing business, that's used to give extra support when they're weaving it. So, um, but uh, this kind of gives it a a more solid effect. Um, and it's not as it doesn't flutter as much in the water. Um, so the unsupported is. Is without so it's taken off a large roll, and there are these very 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 fine slit uh, slitting devices, and uh, so one sixty ninth that means that uh, you'd have um, you know almost have sixty nine ends in one inch, so these are really really fine, and uh, so, and then as you you know you go you go up to your one thirty second and one sixteenth and and on up there. And you know, it just gets bigger, but um, it goes through a special device that slits slits it, and then they take it and then they um, and we uh, uh, twist it with another material, and that's that's how we get the uh, the crinic materials. And then to make the braids, we take uh, either the non unsupported or supported threads, and we put that onto braiding machines, and we make um, uh, braids of different different uh, weights, and then um, to make the piping. We take a core and put it through the center, and then uh, braid around that core. And the base, and then the flat braid is made. It's just a, it's it, the machines are designed to make a flat material, and it's braided. And braiding is a lot like weaving, and only it's um, it creates a very very strong material, and so you can you can do a lot with braided materials. And and because a braid is a braid, you can also um, Go around uh, curves more easily because it it um, 
it has like a parabolic effect. And so it makes it uh, a really nice, easy material to use. Yeah, that's really interesting because I know, too, that, you know, when we talked about uh, your silk dubbing a little bit earlier, but, you know, in addition to the Krennic Flash, um, I know you you make micro chenilles, right? You you mentioned some of the braid that I right. think I've seen uh, demos on your website to, for example, do midge bodies and fly bodies and things like that. But why don't you let folks uh, kind of know kind of the other universe of Krennic products that uh, they may not have heard of before? Well, there's... Um we have uh, different types of silk. We have, uh, for one instance, one of the silks we have is a um, uh, flat, untwisted silk. And there are two types of silk. There's spun silk and filament silk. Um, this would be a filament silk, and which is um, murder on your hands if your hands are rough. And so what we always suggest in, the, in, the, in, in both trades uh, to take olive oil and uh, uh, sugar and um, to rub your hands together, and um, it will make your hands uh, smooth. And um, then you won't pick at the silk when you work it, because you can make some really incredible uh, bodies with the flat silk, because um, a, a filament silk, a filament, can be as long as three football fields in length. So silk... Um, uh, is translucent, so it absorbs light. And so when you have this material that absorbs light and it, there's nothing to break it, it really makes it intensely uh, an intense, rich, bright color. Where if you take uh, a spun silk, which is made after the cocoon is broken open, um, you have staple lengths and that's spun together. And so the light only goes to the end of the staple and a staple could be 20 inches long but is the coloring is not as intense. So um, in stitchery, it's used to give uh, dimension in, in you know, using a filament and a spun silk, but in, in fly fishing, most fishermen use a, uh, a filament silk because of the intensity of, of light in the, um, in the coloration of the silk. Um, other things we have, we have silk dubbing, which is um, the material that... Um, it is um, a material that is used before it becomes uh, a spun silk, and um, we dye that. And you can you can uh, put that on down to like a uh, a 32 hook, a very very fine material, and so you can build up a body like that. And it's just a a nice dubbing material that you can make a, a you know build your bodies. Then we have. Um, Oh, let me see. We have our piping, which um, you know you can take the core out and uh, flip that around on the body and make that into a, a nice uh, body. You can take the the ribbon braids and um, I've seen uh, like the backs of beetles. You know, the image of a backs of beetle, and you can take like our uh, um, uh, peacock uh, number oh number oh eighty five material that's in the flat braid and whip that around, and it looks just like uh, the wings of a of a beetle. Um, let me see. What else do we have? Um, yeah, you got your micro chenille, right? The, the micro, the micro chenille, um, that, uh, um, is a, uh, is a short, um, it's a short, uh, um, fiber, uh, rather than a long chenille. It's a very short, uh, nice fiber. And the funny story about that is, uh, 
we we originally brought that in for our fishing customers. And um, a couple years after we brought it in, uh, one of my needlepoint customers came to me and said, Doug, why can't we have this? <laughs> so um, I said, oh, yeah, that's that's a good idea. So uh, I brought it out for the needlework industry. So it was funny bringing something in for one industry and then bringing it over to the needlework industry. Yeah, it's funny. That's almost kind of backwards. Yeah, it is. And uh, but then we have we also have um, uh, materials. Um, we have another material. It's called uh, our Japan threads. And that material, instead of being made with polyester, is made with uh, rice paper, and that's infused with silver, and then a coloring is put on top of that. So you get these very bright, bright metallic colors that you can use for ribbings. Uh, you can use it on uh, um, wrapping on rods, and but they're they're super intense because of that silver in there, and um, uh, and and so of course of course when you lacquer something you don't have to worry about it being affected by water. And uh, somebody said, well, can I use this in in water even though it's made of paper? Yeah, you can use it in you can use it in water because it's not it's not going to be in there that long, and so it's not going to really be affected. Uh, by water, but you, you get really intense colors with that material used for ribbing. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of stuff, right? Um, and I guess it's maybe kind of hard for me to kind of ask the next, next question in the sense of, you know, I know particularly for people that tie a lot, um, you know, they, they'll, they're able to kind of tell you the difference between even the same type of material kind of across manufacturers. Um, can you share with our listeners kind of how the Krennic products differ, you know, maybe from some of the comparable products from like Wopsy or Hairline or some of those other companies? Well, they're, they're, I could say that they're similar. And um, uh, um, there are people who've tried ours. And, you know, we have, uh, I think, as far as our braid line goes, we have a, we have a greater extent of braid colors. And then uh, when I did the show in um, Denver, uh, we were told that um, we had a greater variety of flash, too. And because um, our advantage is, is, since we're making braid in so many colors, we have a lot of colors to choose from to make uh, flash. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I don't think I've seen anyone that has as many different um, colors and textures of flash uh, on the market, for sure. And, and, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, um, but you like to spend a lot of time on the road teaching and going to trade shows. Um, why is that so important to you? Well, it had been important uh, because uh, it just gets me out to the public and uh, gets me to um, introduce uh, ideas and concepts to people. Um, I, I give a lot of, I, I had been going around giving a lot of talks. Um, that, that all, I think, is going to be changing now. I'm going to be doing more uh, uh, video Zoom talks um, to um, to groups of people, and instead of going out on the road, and um, the trade industry, the trade show industry has changed a lot too. Um, uh, they're becoming, I think, more regional. Um, uh, people don't want to travel as far, um, so it's it's really kind of interesting. Um, we used to do one show. That used uh, it was in Anaheim and it would take uh, seven exhibit halls, and it's down to one now. And then um, a trade association that we'd belonged to and I'd been president of, um, we'd belonged to it for 45 years. 
they just folded yesterday. So um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens in the future. And um, uh, one of my friends um, in the quilt market uh, did a, um, uh, a a viral show on Zoom, and and his company was given a, a room, and so people could go visit those rooms. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to work. Um, I think uh, being at a trade show is I prefer that because people can come and touch and feel things. Um, No matter what the industry is, it's touching and feeling product to see, do I like this? Do I not like this? Do I like the feel of it? Is it going to be something my customers are going to like? Um, So there is an advantage of of doing doing trade shows because it's face-to-face, and um, you can learn a lot more about people face-to-face. And that's why I like like trade shows. And then I go for the food, too, because... It's fun to try new, new and different types of food in different places I go. Yeah, a- absolutely. And I guess, you know, obviously, uh, you know, maybe COVID-19 has accelerated some of these trends. But do you see kind of the shift in trade shows um, being kind of a generational change in terms of the way different generations are um, – interacting because i've heard you in past interviews talk about for example not going to a textile show or a needlepoint show but going to a maker fair is that a big shift that's going on well actually i had been going i had been going to maker shows and um they're kind of changing too right now but i think maker shows are going to be and i might even find that in uh, well i kind of found that the the fishing show i went to in virginia was a it was a combination of a show, uh, a show and a maker fair because people could see th- how things are made and they can sit down and they can try things out and I think that's I think people like to if you if you play you can learn more and I think that's the whole concept behind uh, maker fair and uh, a fishing show that would be a maker fair where you could actually sit down and and try a rod or, or try some material that you've never played with before. And, and that makes it more exciting because it's a, it's a learning experience. I think the days of just going into a booth and, and buying things and looking at product, I think it's changed. Um, I've been doing trade shows for 45 years. And um, the way people dress, the way people act at shows, it's totally different. It used to be, it used to be all suits. And now it's blue jeans, <laughs> so it's it's become very relaxed. And uh, I think after COVID, it's even going to become more relaxed. Um, and I think things are going to be different. I think I think we're going to see more things online, on uh, doing more Zoom Zoom type things, which is going to be kind of a shame because you can learn a lot by just talking to people, and meeting them face to face. And that's that's the one thing I think I'm going to miss. Yeah, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how people kind of where the new normal settles out. Cause I kind of agree with you, you know, there's a yeah. place for, you know, for lack of a better word, that analog experience of actually meeting somebody and uh, you know, whether people will allow technology to kind of um, be a substitute for that, or if they'll kind of just be more willing to have, I guess, what I think of as digital augmentation where like you still meet in person, but now you have the ability to connect more often um, digitally. Well, one thing that we were finding out was those shops that were set up online only were finding that they, down the road, 
had to have a brick and mortar because uh, people wanted to visit, people wanted to see, you know, uh, you know how things are made, or or uh, they they just wanted to they liked the they liked the store online. They wanted to see what the store was like and, and true to have a kind of a hangout because stores are going to have to change and that they're going to have to be places where people hang out, get a get a cup of coffee, learn learn things, sit around and. And um, and events happen at 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 a store, and because the competition that the small mom and pop has against the um, the big chains, um, that's that's going to be one thing. And then also against uh, you know online, everybody's going to have to have an online shop because if they don't, because uh, a lot of people don't have they don't have the stores in their area and it's in every single industry and trade shows in every single industry are finding the same thing. You know, um, I, I heard a report on the, the, the anti-cock industry and they used to have 35,000 people coming to a show and, and the last show they had, they had 13,000. And, um, cause you can, if you want to buy a, a cool watch, you just go online and get it. You don't have to go to a show to find it. So things have to be different. It is going to be a different Yeah, and, and I know when I bumped into you in Virginia at the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival, you'd said you had learned a ton at that event. What were some of your major takeaways? Um, uh, uh, I think, well, one of the things I had, and this is kind of funny, um, a lot of things that might turn a bunch of um, – uh, fiber people on at a quilt show or a, a knitting show or a weaving show are the same things that turn people on at fishing shows. I had, we have um, boxes of unfortunately waste that is created and never hits, never hits the floor. It's just cut out so that we have uh, a pure braid and um, we put it in a box. Then I come and bring that box to a show and I dump it on a tarp on the floor. Same thing happens. We have people sitting around talking away, meeting other people and filling up bags with, with, um, stuff so they could play with it. People like to play. Yeah. Very neat. And you know, what's the best way for a fly tire to purchase your products? Um, they can, uh, they can find it online. There are, there are different stores around the country that do carry a lot of our product. Um, uh, they can go online. They can, they can go online. They can even buy it through uh, needlework stores. Um, it's kind of a, um, a little joke I have. Uh, I put out a brochure for the needlework stores on how to lure in the fishing customer. <laughs> and um, could, and we have we have um, I I my wife and I were up in uh, Washington State one time, and I was just we're on vacation. But I always visit shops, and I was visiting a needlework shop, and she said the shop owner said, "Thank goodness you're here." She said, "I need to order something." I have all these men who sit outside it and don't have anything to do, and I, I need to order some of your fishing kits, and so they have something to buy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, a, it's 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 funny. It, it gets funny, and I always tell shops if, you know, to, I actually tell shops what you might want to find is a, um, a fishing shop in your town, because a lot of these fishing shops don't have the. Um, the the amount of uh, threads and fibers that you have in your shop, and you might be de- able to do a joint class with them, where they are really interested in selling their equipment and their tools, and you're interested in selling your threads, 
and you can work together on that. And uh, some of them have done that. Yeah, very neat. So, you know, obviously um, you can buy from, I guess, uh, people that buy from you wholesale, like needlepoint shops. And I know you've got a factory outlet store, but do you sell direct to cus- to retail customers? No, we do not. We do not sell direct. We have, um, there are shops online that we have lined up and we're getting a couple of shops, fly fishing shops also when we set up our new website. And um, so they, we don't, Years ago, um, we were thinking about selling directly, and um, it led to um, almost a poison pen letter <laughs> because uh, people said, well, we'll just boycott you if you're going to sell directly. So um, um, I'd rather sell through a shop because the only time anybody can buy directly from us is uh, um, if they come to the factory and they can, they can, they can buy stuff here. But we, do not, we don't even ship from here uh, to consumers. So we, we, we have drawn a line. Uh, in the sand, um, uh, so that we, you know, that we, because we, we do support the shops and we do want them to exist because they're they're our backbone. Yeah, obviously you get a lot of great information uh, from those shops. It's kind of the same for fly shops. And if I remember correctly, and obviously you're getting ready to launch a new website, your old website, you actually had a search tool uh, to let uh, someone go there and say, I want to find everyone that sells your stuff within 50 miles of where I live or 100 miles or something like that. Yeah, we did. We had that, and it went down about a year ago, and we weren't able to get it back up. But on our new one, it's going to be better. On the new website we're putting out, it's going to actually be translated into 105 languages, and it's going to have um, more uh, more of a fishing-related area and a craft-related area. And because we found out that some some fishermen don't like going out looking at a craft area, so. Um, we're ha- we're having that. Uh, one of the interesting things I I've been finding at shows is that more women are getting involved in fly fishing, and um, there are women that I talked to at the two shows I went to that first came upon our stuff when they were doing needlework, and then they switched over to fly fishing, and that that I found really interesting. Yeah, and there's a huge push in the industry right now. Uh, you know, for example, Orvis has got fifty fifty on the water to really um, increase. Yeah, increase uh, the 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 participation of women anglers in the sport. Um, so, if you're passing through West Virginia, Doug, is or is it possible for um, for folks to tour your factory? Yeah, uh, probably. I'm not going to have people tour until sometime next year. Yep. Um, cause we're just, I'm just kind of nervous right now yep. about what's going on. Um, cause uh, in fact, uh, with the, uh, elastic, um, we're, we're, we don't want people to even come over to the factory locally to come to the factory and buy Cause we don't want, we don't want any, um, um, mixed air coming in, <laughs> into the building. Um, I'm really protective of, uh, and everybody here is protective of, of each other. And so they, um, we want to just keep it a, a real localized group of people. So um, we 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 ship we'll, sh- we'll ship things out to the people buying elastic right now. But um, probably next year I'll start up with uh, tours again because I was uh, I've had I've had busloads of people coming in here in here and uh, taking tours, you know, like needlework people. And we are a sponsor of Healing Waters, and. Um, uh, we've worked with uh, them, and we've uh, uh, have, have given them uh, different products uh, to play with and to work with, and and we have a really nice rapport with um, 
uh, some of the people from um, Healing Waters. Um, and so we, we've, we think that that's a really good program out there. And so um, a number of the Healing Water people uh, in the local area here have come by uh, over the last two years and um, toured the place. It's a phenomenal group, and I enjoy, I enjoy talking and um, showing people stuff. So they, they were enjoying that. Yeah, that's, that's neat. How else has COVID-19 kind of affected your operations and your product availability? Well, uh, over the last month, uh, um, we have, um, we've, we've had a, a limited number of people working and, um, uh, it's, yeah, we, and I have, I have over a hundred orders that need to be filled because people kept ordering from us. And, um, so, um, bringing people on, uh, gradually, I'm not going to bring everybody in all at one time because I don't think that's going to be healthy. And um, so, like, we're looking at different areas that we need to get product out on a regular basis. And um, so, and the, we, because we have a big braid business, because uh, people buy our braid. And the woman who um, operates, who, who does all the flash, she started, she came back on Monday. And so, we were able to fill a number of big orders that were sitting around here for a couple weeks uh, for fishing, because during this period, as in the needlework industry becoming extremely popular with people quarantined, people quarantined are building flies. And so the fly fishing shops are doing gangbusters. And, and so, are the, so are the craft shops. They're doing gangbusters. And most of it is, um, is mail. Because uh, very, no, very, very, very few shops are open. But um, they do work either from home or <laughs> at night without <laughs> the lights on and they uh, pack up products and uh, ship it out. Yeah. And a lot of guys have been doing uh, curbside pickup too, uh, which has helped them kind yep. of, uh, yeah, keep yeah. the, keep the revenue running. And, you know, it goes without saying that the pandemic has disrupted a lot of plans. Um, do you have any trips or events later in the year that you hope you're going to be able to attend? No, I think I, I actually, um, well, the, the fishing show I was going to go to in October, that was canceled. Um, every show that I was going to go to, except one is canceled, and I suggested to her that she cancel hers. Um, I'm, I'm scheduled to speak at um, four different locations this year, and I'm cringing. I really, I want to change them all to uh, video programs. So I have to call up the shops and say, hey, um, I don't, I, I think that, cause I, I feel that there's going to be a resurgence of this in the fall and, um, I don't want to, I don't want to fly. And, um, so I think the next best thing would be to, you know, I can do a, do a program that would be online and, uh, you know, streamed so people can ask me questions and I can talk, talk to them and, you know, I've never done it before, but I think I feel it can be done. And, uh, I've talked to different friends of mine who've done it and um they just you know they say it's different but that you can do it and so um for the next year i think that's what that's what's going to be um because uh you know it my people are dependent upon me and um i i can't get sick <laughs> no completely understand and you know where can folks go to find out more information uh, about Krennic Manufacturing and the products that you offer, and also to keep track of you on social media? 
Well, uh, they, we're on Instagram. We're on um, uh, Twitter. We're on um, Facebook. Uh, we have a website, but right now it's down, so people can't get out there and, and see all the different products we have because it's, in, it's being constructed. Um, and our, our old one, uh, because of, and we might bring it up in the next week or so, or I have to find out whether the stores are, that we were hooked up with online are taking orders. And if so, then we'll bring our website back up because we, we took it down because we didn't want people thinking that they could order stuff when all these stores were closed. So, um, but at www.krynik.com, uh, they can go out there and then they can go out to our, um, uh, I think, I, I think it's Krynik Fishing. Uh, they can go out to, um, uh, I think that's on Facebook and also uh, on Instagram. Instagram is, we found it's so popular with uh, people who are fly fishing people because um, uh, they love to, they love to put pictures out there, and so that's that is super popular. What I'll do, Doug, is I'll drop links to all of those in the show notes so that it'll be easy for people to find them. Okay, super, absolutely, and I really appreciate you uh, carving out some time this afternoon to talk with me. It was a lot of fun. I enjoy this. Absolutely. I did too. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend and please subscribe and leave us a review in the podcatcher of your choice. And again, a shout out to this episode's sponsor. Please support our friends at the Bristol Bay Defense Fund. Visit www.bristolbaydefensefund.com and donate today. Tight lines, everybody. 